Hey fellow Okies and all true crime enthusiasts, Cece here, and welcome to the second episode of Sooner State True Crime, y'all. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. In this episode, we'll cover the unsolved murder of Karina Saunders. This beautiful, young Oklahoma City woman was found dismembered in separate duffel bags behind an Oklahoma City grocery store. Be sure you're subscribed to Sooner State True Crime in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer. That way, you'll never miss a new upcoming episode. Also, follow us on Twitter at Crime State, like us on Facebook at OK Crime State, and I'd love to hear your comments and case suggestions. So email them to me at Sooner Pod at gmail.com. You can visit our website, anchor.fm slash crime state, or check the links in our show notes to find our Wix site so you can find all the sources used for this episode and all others as well. If you're enjoying this new podcast and want to help us produce new content, please donate. You can go to anchor.fm backslash crime state or paypal.me slash crime state. Thanks, y'all. Now, let's get to our case for this episode, the unsolved murder of Karina Saunders. Come away with me to Bethany and East Oklahoma City in October of 2011, where Karina Saunders was brutally murdered and then dismembered. Karina Brianne Saunders was born on July 17, 1992. Her parents, Margie Queen and Richard Saunders, welcomed baby Karina into their family, which altogether consisted of Karina and her eight siblings. However, Karina could always stand out in a crowd. Her name, which means Dear Little One, was specifically picked out for their baby girl by Margie and Richard. Karina was not only very beautiful, but she was extremely smart and had the gift of putting a smile on everyone's face. Her father, Richard, later remembered, quote, Karina was always full of smiles and joy. Karina and her family grew up in the city of Mustang, Oklahoma, which is just west of Oklahoma City. She attended Mustang High School. In high school, Karina was known for her constant singing, which earned her a spot on the school's honor choir. She was also very bright and even won her school's spelling bee three years in a row. Karina was considered a top mathlete at Mustang High, and she even won a statewide accounting tournament. She even planned on becoming an accountant when she grew up if becoming an opera singer didn't work out. Karina was very outgoing and made friends wherever she went. Her friends described her as silly, goofy, and as having a wonderful sense of humor. Karina's mother, Margie Queen, told a reporter that Karina rarely got into trouble at school and stated, quote, she was such a good child. She was so smart, so beautiful, such an engaging, fun-loving, free spirit. Karina graduated from Mustang High School in 2010, 
which was a year early. However, that is about the time when Karina's life began to unravel. By 2011, Karina was struggling with substance abuse. She was using and abusing a variety of illegal drugs. But in the summer of 2011, Karina entered a drug treatment program. She decided to enter rehab on her own in order to get her life back in a forward positive motion. After completing treatment and returning home, Karina seemed to be doing much better. On September 18, 2011, Karina and her mother Margie attended a local Nazarene church service together. Karina was freshly released from drug rehab and seemed to be doing as well as she had since high school. Karina posted on social media that day about attending church with her mother. Since Karina did not have a cell phone or a vehicle, her social media was how her family and friends were able to keep tabs on her. Later on, in the day of September 18th, Karina and her mother Margie said their goodbyes for the last time. Over a week later, on September 18th, 2011, Karina made her last post on social media. A simple quote, what's everybody doing tonight? The lack of any other activity on Karina's social media was the catalyst for her family to become very concerned. For about a week before this final post, Karina had been staying with her cousin, 22-year-old Catherine Jo Bloodworth. The two were more like sisters than cousins and were extremely close. On September 28, 2011, Karina and Catherine went to a Taco Bell located off Interstate 40 and Rockwell Avenue in Oklahoma City together. Karina was reported as wearing a white muscle shirt and gray sweatpants from Victoria's Secret with the brand name Pink on the backside. The cousins arrived together, but they had plans to leave separately. Karina told Catherine that she would be leaving with an acquaintance of hers, an older man named Kenny Richards. Karina had apparently told some other family members about Kenny. According to some who knew Kenny Richards, they claimed that he and Karina were involved in some kind of sex worker situation. They implied that Richard was Karina's pimp, but she told others that they were going to make pornography films. Kenny was accused of attempting to hire out Karina to different men and making a nude video of the 19-year-old. Kenny Richards later testified that after he picked up the teen from Taco Bell, the two just, quote, hung out together for a short time before he dropped her off at an apartment complex in Bethany that evening, the 28th of September. After Karina was left at the apartment complex, there is approximately a week where her location is unknown. Over a week after Karina's cousin last saw her leaving the Taco Bell, a high school friend of Karina's claimed he saw her at his apartment complex, the Studio 41 Apartments near Northwest 41st Street and MacArthur Boulevard in Oklahoma City. The friend claimed that on October 6th or 7th, he saw Karina in the complex doing some cleaning and they said hello. The friend stated that, quote, 
We chatted for a time, and she explained to me that she was assisting the apartment handyman with repairs, as she was living with him and his son. Later on that day, the friend spoke with Karina again, and he also got her some food since she told him she hadn't ate in several days. He also gave her a duffel bag to store her possessions. He also said he saw Karina again a day or so later on approximately October 8th or 9th, but had not seen her since. Police were actually able to locate CCTV video from the outside of a casino in Newcastle, Oklahoma, which is located about 20 miles south of Bethany. The video, captured on October 8, 2011, shows Karina with what appears to be a group of men and a red, large, four-door Ford pickup truck with lights on top and a brush guard. However, only one man could be described as having two full sleeve tattoos on both arms. Before Karina enters the truck, a dark vehicle is seen parked near the red Ford, and it appears to be a group of young women. And it also looks like the group pleads with Karina not to leave with the men in the truck. Unfortunately, Karina does enter the truck. And to this day, no individuals from the footage have ever been identified by police. Also, this casino footage is the last confirmed sighting of Karina Saunders alive. Just recently, in November of 2019, new search warrants were requested by investigators for the cell phone records of a person of interest in Karina's case. Kyle Savage, then, in just the past few weeks, details surrounding these messages have been made public. Saunders told a friend in the weeks leading up to her murder that, quote, I was beat up by two guys a week ago, and that a friend's mother was supposed to be coming to pick Karina up. More about these messages a little later. The day after Karina is seen on the surveillance video at Newcastle Casino, her cousin, Catherine Jo Bloodworth, began to receive alarming text messages. These texts seemed to indicate that something terrible had happened to Karina. A young man named Kyle Savage was responsible for the uneasy messages. On October 9, 2011, Kyle appeared to be threatening violence towards Karina and Catherine. One disturbing text read, quote, I'm going to bury you next to Karina. Kyle Savage would later claim that he did not know he was texting with Karina's female cousin, but thought it was a male rival. Despite Kyle's inability to fully answer any questions regarding the text, Catherine showed Karina's 41-year-old mother, Margie Queen, the messages. The following day, October 10th, 2011, Miss Queen filed a missing persons report for Karina. Police noted in the report that Margie was, quote, terrified that something has happened to her daughter. Just as I was writing this episode, an update in Karina's case was announced in the local media here in Oklahoma City. 
police seem to be focusing on Kyle Savage once again. Court documents filed on December 19, 2019, detailed text messages between Savage and another man, Ronnie Floyd. A small part of the messages from the court documents read that on July 21, 2015, Floyd sent Savage a message that said, quote, I know you killed Karina, and I got to bring you to justice. On October 17, 2015, Savage responded to Floyd by saying, Do you have a warrant? Floyd allegedly responded, quote, How could I have a warrant? You know what you did, dude. Savage replied, quote, LOL. Floyd then said, quote, I know it too. And Savage finally said, quote, I know I'm so ashamed. This latest court filing comes over a month since warrants were filed that requested Savage's phone records. It was just three days after Savage sent Karina's cousin the initial ominous text on October 13, 2011, that the dismembered remains of Karina Saunders would be found behind a local grocery store. The store and Karina's body were found not far from the Taco Bell, which was the last place her cousin saw her alive. An animal rescue group trying to catch local feral cats unfortunately made the gruesome discovery. The group was initially concerned by the foul odor coming from a duffel bag and a smaller laundry bag located behind the store. The group immediately called police. Located inside the bags was the dismembered remains of 19-year-old Karina Brianne Saunders. She did not appear to have been killed at the location, but that her body had been dumped there. Investigators said it appeared she had been there for approximately three to four days. It took police the next several days to confirm, with dental records, that this was the body of Karina. Even seasoned investigators found it difficult to confirm to her parents that the horrific rumors were true. Later, Karina's mother Margie shared with a reporter that, quote, when they told me she had been dismembered, I screamed. The autopsy report for Karina Saunders would not be released for almost a year after her remains were discovered. Police thought of the details of her death to be directly linked to her ongoing death investigation. The details of Karina's autopsy are difficult to hear. Her death was classified as a violent death, and the manner of death was obviously a homicide. Due to her dismemberment, investigators did not recover all body parts. Police were able to find evidence of duct tape being wrapped around her thighs before death. They found signs that she was tortured as well. It appeared to the medical examiner and investigators that the culprit of this extremely horrendous crime attempted to remove a tattoo from Karina that was located between her shoulder blades. The killer or killers also cut Karina's hair very short for unknown reasons. The autopsy also revealed that Karina was drugged with a non-narcotic prescription pain medication named Tramadol. Unfortunately, the ME was unable to determine whether Karina was still alive 
were already deceased when she was dismembered. It was truly a terrible crime. Police would later state that the murder was the direct result of a drug and prostitution ring. They believe Karina's murder was used to scare other young women into cooperating with the group's leaders. Early into the investigation, police were focused on a person of interest in the case named Cody Perez. Cody had been an acquaintance of Karina's and he was attending culinary school and working at an Olive Garden restaurant when Karina was murdered. What stood out to police, for obvious reasons, was that on the same exact day that Karina was reported missing by her mother, October 10th, 2011, Cody Perez left town. He pawned a knife collection in Bethany and left Oklahoma. Rumors stated he fled to either Arizona or California. Perez also had sleeve tattoos on both arms, which piqued investigators' interest as well. Perez's mother told the media that he had gone missing. However, Cody made contact with the Bethany Police Department on October 21st, about a week after Karina's remains were found. He told police his move out of state was just a coincidence, and he did eventually return to Bethany and spoke with investigators. Mr. Perez's pawned knife was tested for human blood, and he was eventually cleared in part due to a negative blood test on his knives. The FBI assisted the Bethany Police Department, who was leading the investigation into Karina's murder. Investigators interviewed over 100 witnesses, many of which were drug addicts or prostitutes. After Cody Perez was cleared, the ominous text author, Kyle Savage, was also cleared by police originally in 2012. Investigators then turned their attention upon the address of 3500 South Harvey Street in Oklahoma City. The lot was once the location of a home that coincidentally was demolished the same exact day Karina's remains were found. Neighbors of the Harvey home recalled the house as a, quote, drug house, and police had responded to many shady incidents there prior to it being torn down. There was never any evidence found at the location that linked Karina Saunders to the house or the lot. Almost a year after Karina's body was found, her autopsy was finally released. And about this time, police had started to focus in on new suspects. Suspects that would soon face murder charges. In May of 2012, a woman named Tia came forward to police with quite a story regarding Karina's murder. Tia claimed that she was hanging out with a friend named Louis Ruiz in a Bel Air motel room in Oklahoma City. The woman told investigators that at one point, Lewis left the room and she took the opportunity to look through his phone. In his videos, Tia claimed that she viewed an unclear and grainy video which portrayed the murder of Karina Saunders. Tia also claimed she knew Karina and had even previously, quote, babysat her 
and that Ruiz had previously threatened violence towards Karina as well. In the affidavit for Lewis's arrest, Lieutenant J.R. Jinks wrote that Ruiz was, quote, the person in the video cutting off the foot of Saunders. Thanks to T's information, on July 5th, 2012, two men were charged with the first-degree murder of Karina Saunders. Louis Ruiz, a 37-year-old Oklahoma City man, was actually already in custody when he was charged with first-degree murder. Ruiz was arrested days earlier for shoplifting. Once in custody, Ruiz found out that he was also being charged with the murder of Saunders. Ruiz's friend, 33-year-old Jimmy Massey, was also charged alongside him with first-degree murder. Massey was also already in custody, having been arrested the previous December for drug trafficking. Both men had numerous priors for mostly drug offenses, and both men had criminal records outside the state of Oklahoma as well. Combined with Tia's statement, and the statements of others involved, police detailed an alleged criminal organization. Ruiz and Massey were the ringleaders of the group, who were mostly drug dealers, human traffickers, and potential murderers. Tia's testimony about viewing the horrific dismemberment video of Karina was supported by the statement of another woman who came forward named Michelle. Michelle told investigators that Ruiz and Massey had kidnapped her and then forced her to watch the murder of Karina. She claimed she was only able to escape after she jumped from a window. Michelle's testimony put the date of Karina's murder as the 11th of October, 2011, and she stated that it occurred at the now demolished home located at 3500 South Harvey Avenue in Oklahoma City. Close to a year after Karina's body was found, police seemed to be making progress on her case. However, investigators needed, a, needed physical evidence that proved their case beyond a reasonable doubt. Evidence such as the alleged videotape of Karina's murder. Two fellow inmates of Jimmy Massey's later told police that he admitted his role in the murder and dismemberment of Karina. The jailhouse informants even seemed to validate previous statements regarding Ruiz and Massey's plan to dismember the teen girl. Investigators kept reaching out, attempting to find the alleged video of the murder. They searched cell phones, cameras, SIM cards, hard drives, SD cards, and any and all possible devices in the hopes that the footage would be found. This evidence would be the so-called smoking gun, but police eventually had to admit that no video existed or that they could not locate it. However, Ruiz and Massey continued to be held in custody without bonds. Eventually, investigators not only had to admit there was no such video, but even worse, their star witness, Tia, had changed her testimony as well. She now claimed that she did not actually see the video herself, but she had only heard about its existence from a friend. When February of 2013 rolled around, the Bethany Police Department had a problem. 
Their cases versus Ruaz and Massey had fallen apart. Eventually, Bethany PD asked the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations, or OSBI, to oversee the case. Oklahoma County DA David Prater insisted behind the scenes that Bethany Police Chief Bill Cole and his department give full control of Karina's case over to OSBI. In late February of 2013, all charges in regards to Saunders' murder against Louis Ruiz and Jimmy Massey were dismissed without prejudice due to lack of evidence. That does mean that the two can still be charged again if more evidence is located by police. Louis Ruiz had been incarcerated for seven months without bail and was released when murder charges were dropped. Massey, however, remained in custody where he was later convicted of possession and distribution of methamphetamine and was sentenced to 10 years in prison. After the release of Ruiz and Massey, the investigation of Karina's murder had to essentially start all over. But which agency would do so was a point of contention. Anonymous sources claimed that Bethany PD had completely botched the case and eventually OSBI did take over. Just a few months later, one of the main investigators from Bethany Police Department was caught stealing from the department's evidence and property room. Captain Jack Jinks, the cop that led the investigation of Karina's murder, was later charged with 11 counts of larceny of a controlled substance. However, just prior to trial, all charges were dropped. Over a year later, Jinx was actually reinstated back onto the force with back pay. He was able to immediately retire with his full police department benefits and pension pay. In 2014, shortly after Jinx's dismissal, Lieutenant Austin Warfield, another Bethany PD official, was terminated after an internal investigation. He was the third Bethany police officer fired in a short amount of time and the second directly linked to the failed investigation into Karina's murder. Louis Ruiz sued the Bethany Police Department in 2014 and his lawsuit specifically named Chief Bill Cole, Captain Jack Jinks, and Lieutenant Austin Warfield. It also claimed over 10 civil rights violations. After legal trouble in 2016, Ruiz settled with the Bethany Police Department for approximately $50,000. Ruiz's lawsuit also long confirmed the hard truth surrounding the handling of Karina's case by Bethany PD. It cemented the fact her case was misguided and that the case's integrity is most likely compromised. The OSBI would continue to investigate the murder of Karina Saunders. OSBI investigators started all over working the murder, and they began to focus on people who were much closer to Karina. Investigators kept hearing the name Kenny Richards in regards to Karina's murder. If you recall, Kenny is the older friend of Karina's that she met at the Taco Bell with her cousin Catherine. Richard's relationship with Karina is somewhat shady and unclear. There were rumors that the two were involved in the sex trade, with Kenny possibly working as Saunders' pimp. 
Kinney claimed that back on September 28th of 2011, approximately two weeks before Karina's death, that after picking the teen up from Taco Bell, that the two hung out together and then he dropped Karina off at the apartments located off Rockwell Avenue in Oklahoma City. Police had no reason to doubt Richard's story, but suspicions about Kenny Richards began to pile up for investigators. In March 2012, Kenny reported the death of a young woman to police. She was a 22-year-old exotic dancer from Oklahoma City. Police thought the woman's death suspicious, and investigators believed the young lady had endured trauma before she was reported dead by Richards, who was never charged. This meant Kenny Richards was indirectly linked to two dead young women in a one-year span. Unfortunately, at that point, the cops were in the middle of their cases against Ruiz and Massey, cases which would not be interrupted, unfortunately. As the Ruiz and Massey case began to crumble, Bethany police received two anonymous tips in January of 2013, stating that Kenny Richard had killed Karina Saunders and then buried her clothes and other personal items in a metal tank located on some land he owned from 1995 to 2012, and that he had sold the property less than a year after Karina's murder. Despite receiving the tips in early 2013, they were overlooked by investigators until November of 2016. More than five years since the murder of Karina, the OSBI officially expressed interest in Kenny Richards for his involvement in Karina's murder. In October of 2016, OSBI sent Facebook search warrants for three individuals who were in contact with Saunders in the weeks leading up to her death. These warrants uncovered witness statements that detailed a world of drugs, prostitution, and death threats from Mexican cartels. OSBI focused on persons of interest, Kenny Richards, and Kyle Savage's Facebook accounts in addition to a woman named Judy Roberts. Roberts told police that Karina was staying with her in the two weeks between when she was reported missing and when her remains were found. The court documents state Roberts told police that during that time, she feared for her life due to the fact she owed money to Mexican drug dealers. She also told police that she believes that these drug dealers may have killed Karina mistaking her for Robert's daughter, who the Mexican dealers had threatened before. Due to these Facebook warrants, into police discovered a photo of Karina Saunders, previously unseen by investigators, located in the confiscated phone of Kenny Richards. He had been arrested for meth. Details of this picture have never been released to the public. Then, in April of 2017, police searched the property which was previously owned by Richards. OSBI confirmed they located a woman's shirt, jacket, sandals, and some other debris buried on Richards' property inside an old metal septic tank. However, OSBI has never commented on the items since their discovery. Kenny Richards has never been charged with any crime in connection with Karina's murder or the death of any other women.
To this day, no additional suspects have been charged in the murder of Karina Saunders. Police are still unable to identify the individuals seen with Karina in the CCTV footage of her from the Newcastle Casino on October 8, 2011. Since this is the last known sighting of Karina alive, police desperately need to speak with these men since the group of men seen in the red four-door Ford pickup are thought to be responsible for Karina's murder. OSBI said in a press release, quote, Also worth making note of is that there were girls nearby in a dark car who were pleading with Karina not to go with them. To this date, we don't know who these girls were, but we would like to know who they were. If they will come forward, we'd like to talk to them, find out what they saw, what they witnessed, why they were concerned about Karina's safety getting into this red pickup. It has been almost a decade since Karina Saunders was brutally murdered and dismembered. Her legacy, however, is still large around Oklahoma. One of Karina's longtime friends remembered her as saying, quote, she's not a random person who ended up in a duffel bag. She was enjoying life and someone decided to cut that short. I don't want her to be remembered as what happened to her. All I want people to remember as is Karina, the fun-loving, beautiful person. Justice for Karina is something her closest family and friends still continue to hope for and believe is still coming. Margie Queen, Karina's mother, said recently that, quote, I know justice will be served either here or in eternity. I just wish it would be here. I don't want any other family to go through what we've been through. Margie also had a message for the killers in 2019. When asked about an upcoming documentary about Karina's murder, her message was, quote, you can't run away. You'll have to be looking over your shoulder because someone is going to be there. In 2016, OSBI announced a $10,000 reward for information leading to an arrest of Karina's killer or killers. Then, in September of 2018, an anonymous donor put up a $50,000 reward. However, this donor put a one-month deadline for anyone to send over the elusive video of Karina's murder to the donor's email address listed as don'tbeacoward13 at yahoo.com. They also stated that if there was no such video, they would pay $30,000 for the identity of Karina's killers. The anonymous donor's one-month deadline was due to frustrations from the case remaining unsolved and told the media, quote, if nothing comes from that, we'll hire 10 PIs. If nothing comes from that, we'll hire 20. The people who did this should know their days of being comfortable and their days of thinking they got away with it, and that's it, should end immediately. Karina's face still lingers on around Oklahoma City, especially with the most recent court filings from the past few months. Her picture is featured as the Queen of Spades in the Oklahoma cold case deck of cards with the hopes of solving her murder. 
please, if you or someone you know may have any information regarding the brutal murder and dismemberment of Karina Saunders on approximately October 8, 2011, in the Bethany, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma area, please contact OSVI at 1-800-522-8017 or email them at tips at osbi.ok.gov. Please, y'all, let's help find justice for this beautiful, smart, young Oklahoma woman. Thanks y'all so much for listening to Sooner State True Crime. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Anchor, or any podcast platform you prefer so you never miss a new episode. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Crime State or email us your comments or case suggestions to SoonerStateCrimePod at gmail.com. Or you can leave me a voicemail on our website, anchor.fm backslash crime dash state and please everybody stay sooner safe out there until next time <laughs>